Looking for an assist with your credit card, but you can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Join us this Saturday for an all-new episode of The Athletic NBA Show. Saturday Slam and Jam, hosted by me, Andrew Schlecht. I'll be joined by my co-hosts Alex Spears and many of the athletic beat writers that you know and love. We will recap the week of the NBA, play some NBA trivia, and just overall talk about the league that we love most. So while you're flipping your flapjacks, tending to your yard, or just sipping your coffee on Saturday morning, listen to Saturday Slam and Jam on the Athletic NBA Show. Welcome to the Athletic NBA Show, Monday through Friday, on the Athletic Podcast Network. Coming up on today's show, we talk awards at the midseason, and I promise you, you will not believe who we chose for MVP. This is Nerder She Wrote, with your host, Dave Dufour, with Mo DeKeel, Are you ready to be entertained? and Seth Partnow. Hello and welcome to the Athletic NBA Show. I'm Dave DeFore, so this likely means you're listening to Nerder She Wrote, I think. A little bit different cast this week. Mo is here, as he is always, but filling in for Seth Partnow, friend of the program from the Fast Break Breakfast Basketball Podcast, my good friend, Keith Parrish. Keith, did you eat breakfast today? We're recording late in the afternoon, so... I did eat breakfast. Yes, I ate some breakfast. I actually had... I mean, it was basically lunch, but I had some fried rice and also I made an omelet to go with it. So it felt very breakfasty. Right. Isn't that fried rice? Good. Like, isn't like. The, yeah. Did, no. Did I triple up on the eggs? Yes. No, yeah. There I mean, were eggs just, in there. You just, you just, there you just had fried rice. rice. <laughs> there, there, there was <laughs> not rice. enough. Uh, it was leftover fried rice. There really wasn't enough to sate my appetite. So yeah, I, I did in fact have a lot of eggs today. There you go. Well, Good for you. All right, guys. Uh, you know, we got to talk about it. We got to talk about awards. We're at the all-star break. I think the awards races this year have been interesting. And it, it feels like depending on the week, the narratives have shifted so many of these awards already uh, that it's sometimes hard to tell who's sort of leading the race. Um, the, the first one, though, that we're going to talk about, I think, is probably the easiest one. Defensive player of the year. It seems to me like a no-brainer. It's Rudy Gobert. You know, he, he's the anchor of the best defense in the league. Um, you guys disagree with that at all? No, I don't. I don't. Uh, Rudy's been phenomenal. I think there's could be a case maybe if Ben Simmons blows up in the second half of the season. I think he's phenomenal, can guard one through five, and and you see it a lot with the Sixers and what he does. But at the end of the day, I mean, Rudy's just been phenomenal and, and dominant there as a big man. I mean, I didn't get the exact criteria we're supposed to use to pick these awards. And I think they leave standard. Well, they leave it nebulous, I feel like. And I'm one who personally, subjectively, 
if I were given a vote, I normally would vote probably for a perimeter player on these awards. And I don't know if that's right or wrong. I know Gobert is the anchor of this jazz team that's running roughshod over the league. But my personal preference is to give it to someone who on has to Grizzlies. guard. Well, I would like to give it to Kyle Anderson. <laughs> no, the, my personal preference is someone who like a Ben Simmons. I think I would go Ben Simmons as far as like, if you have to lock down one of the best perimeter players in the NBA, if you have to lock down LeBron James or James Harden or even Giannis, like Gobert can't do that. And no centers basically can do that. So I tend to lean towards like, I consider a Ben Simmons or a Giannis Antetokounmpo or even a Kawhi and the Kawhi's lost a step, but like those kind of, um, those kind of guys I like more. So I think I would go Ben Simmons as defensive player of the year so far. Well, but again, that's just my personal subjective. I don't like the big Sim- guys as much. I mean, he Simmons, just- I thought, had a good case last year. You know, w- if he had stayed healthy, I think he would he would have been in that conversation. He certainly, on, on my list, would be second this season. I, I think he's been spectacular. The difference being the, the degree of difficulty, I, I think, obviously, positionally, different degree of difficulty. But... Ben Simmons has the luxury of Joel Embiid mm-hmm. on the court with him often, and those two work so well in concert with each other. Rudy doesn't have that. You know, uh, they're really, I mean, who's the other plus defender out there with Rudy when he's doing this stuff? But it's not its not even just Joel Embiid. I mean, look at the the whole up and down the roster of the, the Sixers. I mean, say whatever you want about Danny Green, still – Solid. Dave was pointing. Dave was ready to pounce if I didn't say Danny. He was going to, to, he was going to right. jump through the Zoom call. But then you have Matisse Thybul. You have a lot of guys like they they can funnel that thing. The Jazz don't have a defense if Rudy Gobert is there. Like there is just there's just no defense. I mean the, the other guys are good. They try. Royce O'Neal's been really good defensively. I think he's done a good job for the the Jazz. But at the end of the day, he is the defensive system. For that team. And, 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 and I'm with you, Keith, like you make great points in the sense of on the perimeter, like he, you're right. He couldn't stop LeBron or things like that. But I, at the end of the day, when you look at just in terms of how that whole team works, it starts on the defensive end because of Rudy Gobert. It's true, but I feel like their success this year is more based on them dropping whatever it is. 18 three-pointers per game and their offense being runaway success. And I know he's anchoring that defense, but I'm not, again, I'm not trying to take away from Rudy Gobert and being the premier, you know, rim protector and the anchor of that jazz defense. But I still, man, like, give me like a, who, who's it harder to score on? Like, give me a Giannis Antetokounmpo, like, like, or a Ben Simmons. It's, it's not, again, I don't want to take away from Rudy well, now Gobert. Now we're getting into a philosophical debate. Just, exactly. That, that's more where I'm the at. Awards, all right. So, I mean, whether the awards are about who, who would you want to have, who's, who's the best versus yeah. who's performing the best. And so when I look at these awards, I try to think about the performance and, and it's obviously you can't judge the performance in a vacuum, but I can look at what Rudy's doing and I can say that thus far, I I feel like he's been the defensive player of the year. While I can certainly also say that I think Giannis is the best defender in the league. I mean, if I had my, if I had my choice, I take Ben Simmons in terms of just for the versatility of everything But for this award, as Dave's saying, like, I think it's just gotta be Rudy. I, I, I don't, you know, it's close. I mean, you could, we can make the argument and listen, we're at the halfway mark or so to speak, or I don't know the numbers anymore with all the, the games and stuff, yeah, but yeah. like the second half of the season, you know, like if Simmons is phenomenal defensively, it's not shut 
close the door, close oh, yeah. the book. This is Rudy Gobert. It's like, there's definitely a possibility Ben Simmons can turn around and, and, and get this. But just right now, I think I got to go uh, with uh, the big fella. And don't forget that, you know, voters are going to catch these big games. They're going to catch Utah versus, you know, Philadelphia. And they're going to see Joel Embiid go for 40 on Rudy Gobert. And that's going to stand out to them. And so, you know, if you have, it's one of the things about becoming a high profile team like Utah is becoming, your games are now high profile when you play these big teams. And, you know, if you have an instance where you do have a guy go off against you like Embiid did against Gobert, well, it's gonna you're gonna take a hit nationally because that's just how we know how voting works for these awards. So, all right, next award, sixth man of the year. Now, this is a funky award because it's typically just given to the guy who scores the most points, right? Like we know the deal here. But this this year, certainly it's gonna go to the guy that's scoring a lot of points, but it actually feels like this is the right guy to that's going to win it. Um, if, if this works out, I'm assuming we're all on the same page that Jordan Clarkson is the, like the runaway favorite to win this award. Yeah. I, I don't have a contrarian take here. I, I agree with you that it is Jordan Clarkson. And I do, I do like have again, my personal criteria for sixth man where I feel like it does need to be a guy who isn't good enough to start on most teams or isn't like a Manu Ginobili or Andre Iguodala who are basically all-stars coming off the bench. And I'm very pleased to say Jordan Clarkson fits that description perfectly. He's the ideal <laughs> six man candidate and he's having an amazing year. So like, yeah. yeah. Honestly, the Jordan Clarkson thing, he's been so good in his role. It starts to make me rethink like, is Donovan Mitchell even that good? Now, Donovan Mitchell's really good, but Jordan oh, Clarkson is trying to get Utah fans riled up oh, after no, we gave yeah, it to yeah. Rudy. And, and well, it is, no, no. now you're trying to get them to come I, after I'm saying it, it does make me have that thought, though, Mo, because Jordan Clarkson has really been that good coming off the bench for them. Yeah, but to say, to make it make you question whether Donovan Mitchell is I that mean, good. I mean, maybe it's the system. Maybe it's the system. We don't know. Yeah, yeah. Pump the brakes, DeFore. <laughs> Calm down. Calm down. And I'm gonna. I want to throw another name in 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 the the wrench of it. The uh, the sixth man of the year. I don't think he's gonna win it. I don't think he's played enough off the bench. But the Mavs using Tim Hardaway now coming off the bench is pretty interesting to me. And I think that's a guy that can put a make a late push for the award. For it. I mean, I think he's done a great job, you know, he, he, rolling for them in that sense. Shooting, I'm looking up the numbers, 38% from three right now. I think, you know, this is a guy off the bench giving a punch for the Mavs there. I think that's a guy that you might want to keep your eye on, but ultimately I think it's going to be uh, Clarkson. And, you know, uh, Tim Hardaway, that's a, that's a good one because he's not going to be listed in a lot of places because people think about him as a starter mostly. Um, but he's been given more on-ball responsibilities running some of these second units. I, like, I love what they're doing at the beginning of the fourth quarters with him and Jalen Brunson. And, and that unit has been going really well. So that's a good one. Uh, Keith, do you have a guy who you think might be a dark horse in the second half? And is it a Memphis Grizzly? No, I mean, I, I guess Brandon Clark, maybe, no, I, you know, I, I was thinking if, um, you know, if the Kings had a little bit more success, I mean, we're going to mention Tyrese Halliburton in the rookie of the year race, but I feel like he's been kind of an exceptional sixth man for them. Other than that, other than that, no, I mean, looking across the league, you have your typical, like, is it Montrezl Harrell type thing? But no, I mean, this is a weird race where I don't feel like we have to agree on all the awards, but it's just, it seems so overwhelmingly Jordan Clarkson this year. There's just nobody else. Like, yeah, who, right. like there's nobody, there's nobody really 
off like the bench. Gary Trent I, Jr., but he's been starting, you know, like, I, mean, I don't yeah. know. It, there's nobody where I've just felt like, oh, this guy. Can. That's why when I saw Tim Hardaway coming off the bench, I said, oh, he might be coming for the award. How well, about the health thing, though, right? Like, that's a big part of this is that a lot of guys have been out and, right. you know, they've you've had to next man up it. What if TJ McConnell keeps breaking Steele's records uh, coming Every off the bench night? for the Pacers? What okay, if he's just going to become the defensive player of the year? We should, the, I can't believe we didn't mention bench, it for defensive player of the year. Triple doubles. Yeah. If That's, he has a right. triple double of blocks, defensive rebounds only, and, and steals, steals, like we 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 we, yes. we might have to start looking into yes. If he just does that once, I think we give him the award. Uh, Name it after <laughs> right. him. Yeah. That's that'd be pretty good. Yeah. Okay. So um this one is is kind of interesting, right? Uh most improved. It's a weird award that so often has just gone to young players who have just gotten better due to more minutes or more usage or something like that. This year is, is going to be interesting, I think, because there, there are a lot of guys. I mean, when you even just look at the all-star team, Zach Levine is going to be on the short list for most improved. Julius Randle is going to be on the short list. Uh, who do you guys have right now as sort of your front runner, you know, going into all-star break? I don't know if this is cheating or not or anything like that, but because he he's playing now just a whole different role, but you're going to look at Jeremy Grant, right? Like this guy has been phenomenal in Detroit as bad as the team has been 23.4 points, you know, 5.3 rebounds shooting 36% from three and look like just seeing that big jump from the 12 points in Denver, a completely different role, completely different role. You know, it, it, it's interesting to see. I want, I, just feels like that's where the award's going to go to. I don't know if that's kind of cheating or not, though. Well, I think he's the absolute favorite for the award. At the start of the season, it was basically him and Christian Wood thinking like they were the, you know, definitely the breakout kind of stars. And they are surprising in the fact, at least especially in Jeremy Grant's case, where I don't think Nuggets fans even thought that Jeremy Grant could do this if given his own team. And I know the Pistons are they're bad, frankly, but him continuing to score, in increasing his usage by so much, but not really losing anything as far as his efficiency has been really impressive. And like suddenly having him enter in a conversation where it's like, is he, you know, close to like a Pascal Siakam level almost, or like someone where you could think of like not and not kind of laugh thinking about him as like a, a one or two option on a team. He's good enough to be the guy that Boston almost traded for. <laughs> and right. that's very like what an important step in his career development. Now, for me, I, I'm I'm saying Julius Randle. Julius Randle is not in a different role. This is I mean, this is just straight up. He got better. He got more patient. His defense under under Tom Thibodeau, who I'm assuming we're going to talk about when we get to coach of the year, um, has been, I, I think, Really, really good. The best of his career. Um, Julius Randle's turnaround. Like Zach Levine is is, is certainly is better, uh, but I think we all assumed Zach would get something close to this. I mean, maybe he's playing a little over his head right now, but Zach has been scoring a little bit more. But that's about it. Same role. He he's increased his his output, but Julius Randle all the way around. Like I mean, we're at the point now where it's. Do they try to give him a max extension to keep him? I mean, if this is the guy you're going to get for the next three or four years, I mean, maybe. 
always scary to pay uh, I know. a guy After who had one the, 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 the one big year on the contract year. It's always and scary. And it's the Knicks, so you know they're going to do it. I, I, I'm going to throw out another name here. And this one's going to be a little bit wild here, but I need you to stay with me on this journey, guys, before you jump all over me. Um, and this isn't a homer take because I'm in L.A. But Kyle Kuzma deserves a little bit of love. He does. For most improved of the year. Because, you know, his scoring numbers aren't necessarily popping off. I mean, he's scoring less than he did last season. But shooting 36.5% from three. But the big improvement has been on the defensive end. They have a better defensive rating when he's on the floor. Like when we look at most improved, we only look at the offensive stuff. I mean, look, I said Jeremy Grant because he made such a big jump scoring. So we're looking at what he's doing defensively. The Lakers are better when he's on the floor defensively. He's improved. He improved in the bubble. He's improved on this season on the defensive end, which is something that I was always killing him for. So I think he deserves some love in, in the most improved conversation just because of that, because this is a young guy that's not only improving shooting the ball well, but he's improving on the defensive end, which we don't see that often. Kuzma's really finding his role on the Lakers and really embracing that. Like, all right, off the bench, I'm going to go get the rebounds. I'm going to go play defense. I'm going to knock down the shots when they come to me. It has been impressive. I got a couple other names that I think I would argue might have improved even more than Kuzma this year. I think we should recognize Terry Rozier on the Hornets. Like he, I mean, he had a a good season last year, but he's, he's raised his two point field goal percentage this season by over 10 percentage points from last season. So he, like his effective field goal percentage is now over 60%. I mean, his splits are absurd scoring 20 points a game, you know, for the Hornets, another guy, which fits into the category of like players that you'd never even thought might be, regular rotation players. You have Chris Boucher in Toronto slash Tampa. You know, like Chris Boucher has been really good this season. And like, maybe he could be considered for a six man, you know, in that conversation for six man, but he's gotten certainly a lot better. And then I'd be, you know, people would get mad at me if I didn't mention my guy, Kyle Anderson, Kyle Anderson, who has basically doubled his career points per game, become a three point shooter, uh, been a big part of the Grizzlies kind of surprising success so far, I mean, that's a guy just like Jeremy Grant, who's basically increased his usage greatly with with actually being more efficient scoring somehow. Is This should almost be a retroactive award, and it should be given to the guy that gets the biggest raise on his next contract, <laughs> right? Like when Julius Randle gets that fat contract from the Knicks, we'll know he's the most improved. Well, should Jeremy Grant then be excluded from the conversation because he already got his raise? He's just performing yeah, based yeah, on the, it, on the, on the contract he, he received. On Randall's yeah. going to win just on the pure fact that he's with the Knicks and they're going to just overpay. <laughs> All right. The next award, and, and this one, uh, again, this one I think it, there's going to be a lot of discussion about. It, Coach of the Year. And this is a, an award that I think you can't just say, wow, look at their record. You have to say, look at where they started from. Um I even like to look at in-season improvement when I'm thinking about this. Like, you know, what was this team the first week of the season? What is it right now? Quinn Snyder is probably the front runner. I would I would assume that everyone has him up front. Tom Thibodeau, to me, the the job he's doing there with that roster in particular, I think is is pretty great. And while I probably would vote for Quinn Snyder if we were taking a poll today, I think by the end of the season there's a good chance that I'm won over by Tom Thibodeau 
because the talent disparity between Utah and the Knicks is so great. I think the degree of difficulty for the Knicks is way higher. What about you guys? So I, I, I think I agree with you with Quinn Snyder, and a lot of it comes down to some kind of trying to figure out, is it more difficult to take a, a bad team or a team you expected very little from? Is it more difficult to take like the Knicks to 500 than it is to take a very good team like the Jazz from like a 50-win pace team to like a 60-win pace team or like a title contender? And I guess that's where you can have a lot of discussion. I mean, I feel like I would actually lean... Thibodeau in the coach of the year race, just because I was so wrong about the Knicks this preseason. And maybe that shouldn't have any factor whatsoever in an awards race, but it feels like it does a lot of time. A lot of the time we give it to a coach who took a team that had a very low Vegas over under in the preseason and outperformed those expectations. So like for me, it's like, I almost want to discount Quinn Snyder and I know I already discounted Rudy Gobert. So I don't want to come off like a jazz hater because I hear that's no, no, not it's already happened. Well, you okay, want we're good. To do. We're, we're good. Uh, we know that like, you're a ref lover though. So like, Hey, you got to respect the rest. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> they, they, they got a tough job. And, and another name, I mean, not, not to usurp the whole conversation. Another name that we haven't said that is also up there with those two guys for me is Monty Williams. I feel like the Suns have been so good this year so far. I mean, yeah. this is one. This is one of those awards that honestly is jam packed with candidates, and whoever wins it, I'm probably just going to be like, "Yeah, no, I could see it." Because look, you guys mentioned three names already, and we didn't talk a lot about Monty, but Monty was on my mind too as a guy who deserves a lot of love. You got to look at what Doc Rivers is doing in Philly, taking that team right now as we're talking is the, the number one seed in the East here coaching the all-star break and, and, and all that stuff. So you got to give him some credit. You got to look at the job that James Borrego has done in Charlotte with that, that was team. My next guy. Yeah. That's a guy you got to look at. And then you got to look at what Popovich is doing with San Antonio. Did anybody have San Antonio sitting on top of their division right now? You know, I think it's just, when you look at that field of coaches, there's so many of them. You know, and everybody you talked about all has a case. And there's probably one or two other guys that we haven't even mentioned that we could talk about that deserve to be mentioned. But this is Billy Donovan. Billy Donovan's another like there's just guys. What I love about it is for years, it felt like we had nothing but just very average and mediocre coaches in the NBA. It's like now I'm looking into going like, man, there's not a lot of bad coaches right now in the NBA. No. I'll throw out I'll throw out Taylor Jenkins as well, since you yeah. guys are refusing to mention Grizzlies players or coaches and making me do it. Every <laughs> I time. didn't want to take it away from you. I just didn't <laughs> no, want to take it. It would have felt improper. Well, I mean, the, improper, the, the, the Grizzlies the being guy. where they're at right now without Jaron Jackson is very surprising. And once again, you, you know, you, you feel like you have to give credit to them as well or credit to Taylor Jenkins as well. I felt like it would have been disrespectful okay. to our guest if I took the Thanks for leaving guy. it for me. I was letting, yeah. I mean, it's like taking the big piece of chicken, you know, when you have a guest in the house, <laughs> you got to kind of offer it for him. But like, yeah, no, but Taylor is a guy that deserves a lot of recognition. I mean, just impressive coaching jobs all around throughout the league. And it's, this one's going to be a very tough one because, you know, Quinn Snyder has been phenomenal. They've done a great job. You know, they have the best record in the league. So you kind of, want to say that but sometimes i look at it going like some of these other guys who have teams have no business Rego especially i mean yeah. the hornets might make the playoffs yeah i'm expecting them to one name we haven't mentioned i mean it, does does chris paul get any love for coach of the year <laughs> i mean we've seen it year after year Two years whatever, in a row <laughs> whatever chris paul goes, i don't know if chris paul is going to split that vote with monty williams but i mean 
the sun's credits. Uh, someone it, gets yeah. it. Somebody's gonna, it, it might siphon off some of those votes for uh, yeah, yeah. Monty, you know. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but you can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? (laughs) You mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Call 1-800-DIRECTV. Terms or restrictions apply. Um, all right. This one is, is over. This one's a wrap. Okay. Um, and this is what happens when you have a basketball genius in, in the lottery, right? Uh, LaMelo, uh, he started after what, eight games he got in the starting lineup. Hasn't looked back. Uh, he's been incredible. So I don't know that we need to dig in on LaMelo, but I think this rookie class kind of needs an apology from the people that have talked about it for the last two years and how it was going to be bad. It is full of very good players and really, really high-end role players. It's my favorite draft possibly in, I don't know, ever. Okay, that's a bit much. You're no, it's far. fun, yeah. man. I love it's, the players it, it, in this the, draft. The, 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 it's fun, but I mean, we just had a draft with opinion. Zion Williamson and Ja, ja Morant, which was just yeah, has brought you with like, electric I stars. I love Desmond Baines. You know, so so no, you you thank you for mentioning a grizzly guy. Yeah, you're now you're sucking just, up. See that's see that's such utter bullshit, Dave. No, 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 that was such garbage. <laughs> here's a here's a question. That's how you pander? How how many? Just this is a you know obviously a huge guess. You know, thirty games into these guys' careers, how many all stars? would you project out of this rookie class? We're assuming LaMelo Ball is going to make all-stars. So if I put the over-under all-stars at two, like who's the other guy out of this class that you think is probably most likely to become an all-star? I think we'll have a, a, a year where Wiseman makes it, you know, maybe. or, or, or I mean, a maybe, year where, yeah. where even where, where maybe Anthony Edwards does because he's been phenomenal or things like that. I don't know. It's it, it, we're projecting pretty far down the line, but yeah, there's not a lot of all star talent. What Dave said is right about this draft, though, is a ton of great role playing talent. All of these guys are great role players. You know, Tyrese Halliburton is the is a guy I just look at going like this dude's going to play in the league for 15 years as a as as the quintessential role player. You know, and it, it's not going to be a star. Sorry, sack fans, but it, it, but just kind of always going to have a role in this league and going to have a long career because of it. And that's a guy who you know would probably be second in rookie of the year voting in this instance, but. You know, Dave's right. When you're looking at this draft class, you kind of just are saying like, yeah, like this, this class is the perfect role playing class. Yeah, Mo, I think you're right. I mean, Halliburton, I think is like the unanimous number two behind ball. And then there are the role players, but I do think it's interesting. Even when you talk about the upside of the top of the draft of Wiseman and Edwards, 
based on what we've seen in this very brief sample, you'd kind of be like, you know, yes or no, do they ever make an all-star game? And we don't know yet. It's still a very much an unknown. So I guess that's where this draft class kind of maybe, maybe the prognosticators were correct that it isn't as good as, as many of the others. See, and Keith fell into my trap saying yet again on the podcast, Mo is right. <laughs> uh, all right. And uh, the final award that we're going to give out, um, MVP. Um, it's been a weird year because until Anthony Davis went down, it sort of felt like LeBron was going to be able to autopilot himself to this MVP. And I don't say that to disparage him at all. I mean, but he was playing the fewest minutes of his career. He was still putting up great numbers and the Lakers were coasting. And since Anthony Davis has been out, it's not been as easy for the Lakers. And I think that that's probably going to be held against LeBron quite a bit when it comes to MVP voting because people are looking for ways to poke holes in his resume. And rightfully, when it comes to MVP awards, that's, I mean, you split hairs on that, that type of award to find out who is deserving of it. And, and I think right now, coming in, you know, into the All-Star break, it's got to be Joel Embiid. I mean, it, 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 no question. But before we get into Joel Embiid's case, I want to talk a little bit about the LeBron case because here's the thing that drives me nuts is they, and they, meaning the media, make this so much of a narrative thing. We, that, please, please, we, no, we. we are the media. We, fine. But I'm not one of those, like, like jumping in with this whole thing of like, okay, the MVP is an award for the regular season of this season. And it really feels like a lot of times when people are making the case for LeBron, we keep talking about, you know, it's almost like a lifetime achievement award, right? Like we want to yeah. give him the, it's, it's as if he never won it before, you know, it's, 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 you know, he's the Susan Lucci of, of the MVP award, the way we're acting with it and the way it gets talked about and, you know, year 18 and I can't believe he's doing all this and he's been amazing and he's an unbelievable basketball player. But every time we do this, it becomes a, a, a narrative contest. And I'm like, look, man, Joel Embiid has just been better for the team. Like he's been the best player in the league right now. I don't think there's any question to it. I agree with you that it gets frustrating about the narrative and the way that it feels like there's, I guess there's sort of a hive mind and some of that social media and the fact that everyone is so interconnected now. And when it comes to an MVP conversation or an end of year MVP vote, there's almost this fear of getting shamed or not having the correct answer. And we all decide on these awards. We decide like, hey, Jordan Clarkson is six man. We decide Rudy Gobert is defensive player of the year. We decide whatever it ends up being at the end of the year. We're like, well, because of the last five games, we decided it's now Joel Embiid and not LeBron James. And so part of me wishes we still had a little more, I don't know what the word would be like, like regionalism. Like if you're up in the Midwest and you just, if you see every one of the Bucks games and you only see, you know, fewer of the other games, you're like, well, Giannis Antetokounmpo is clearly the best player. And so it wouldn't be weird to give him the award. And if you look at Giannis's stats this year and you compare him to all the other players, it would not be weird to give him the MVP, but because we're, we've now become this online social media community where we compare notes on everything and we don't want to be shamed for having the wrong opinion, it becomes this, oh, it was LeBron, and then for two days, Jokic had it, and then it was LeBron, and then now it's gone to Joel Embiid. And so I wish we could have a little more, I don't know, open-mindedness well, about it. Well, the criteria it. is tricky, right? Because everyone is going to look at this through the lens that they look at MVP. 
And mm-hmm. I tend to focus quite a bit on team success. And and so to me, if you're going to be the MVP, you're the best player on a top two or three team in your division. Now, and that's what makes it tough for Jokic because I probably I probably would have Jokic first if they were top three. And of course, we're we're mid season, so they may very well be top three. And I may feel so compelled by the performance that he has the rest of the way. I mean, if he if he keeps this up and they're the five seed, I have to seriously think that maybe Jokic is the MVP because the numbers are insane and and because of the load that he's carrying for that team. But it, it's I mean. I think best record in the East, best player in the conversation, at least for defensive player of the year. I think Embiid is probably my front runner right now. So I agree with you that I think if we're saying best player this season, who's played the best, yeah, Embiid. But then you factor in like, well, Embiid's missed games. He hasn't played all the games. And the Sixers basically lose every time Embiid doesn't play. And I can see how you could couch that as an argument for Embiid. But for me, like the criteria of MVP, which again, this is very subjective. We're making up our own rules, basically, because the NBA doesn't give you rules. They're saying, they, they basically say, yeah, make up your own rules. Just vote for whoever you, you feel. And it seems like MVP is kind of like who has the best regular season stats mixed with team success and narrative. And so I think at the midseason, I would actually vote Jokic because Jokic has also, just like Embiid, has kind of stats that are hard to believe. But Jokic has played every game and he's out there with the Nuggets. And here's like a thought exercise and I want to know your opinions. If Jokic was on the Sixers, do the Sixers have a better record than 24 and 12? Because I think they might. I know when when you, when Embiid yeah. plays when Embiid plays they're twenty three and seven. I just looked it up, so they're twenty three and seven when Embiid plays because Embiid is basically in God mode and like you guys have both said, playing better than anyone else. But if you want to factor in games played and you know availability, maybe the Sixers would be even better or have a better record if you swapped Jokic and Embiid. What do you guys think? But it's I would, possible I would, though. I would flip that though. Flip that. Sure. No, if it, it works. Feeds on Denver. Flip. Yeah, they have a better. They're they're better defensively, right? We're we're talking about a potential. Dave saying he's going to be mentioned in the conversation for defensive player of the year, and we're we're going to you know a little bit saying the with Ben Simmons, you know, it's kind of tainted a little bit. But look at what he does in the paint. He he's actually very similar to to Rudy Gobert in the sense of going from being able to stop one play to getting a block. I mean, just in that game against the Jazz. He stops a Donovan Mitchell drive and then blocks a Rudy Gobert dunk. Like those, that's a big level play. So when you're going to, we're going to say that, because I think you're right. He would be amazing to watch with Ben Simmons on Philly. And it would be, it would be, it would be exciting to watch. I also think Denver would be better because of their defense would be so much improved with Embiid. You know, so it's you can kind of make the the well, the yeah. I, I like that point. It, it's almost though a a defensive player of the year argument for, for Joel Embiid. Like, what what would the Nuggets offense look like if it was Joel Embiid out there with uh, Facundo Campazzo and PJ Dozier and M- Michael See, Porter the, Jr. That might issue. that might be ugly. And if he's missing, if he only plays eighty percent of the games, right? Then the His Nuggets might be even games. worse. 
But it's so the 82 games of Jokic it's, it's, versus it's the so 65 interesting the names you mentioned in that, and you completely just didn't mention Jamal Murray. And like, <laughs> I mean, you put you pair him with Jamal Murray, and it's a whole different deal. I mean, first off, that's another pick and roll partner. That's another dude who you can't double off of. The Jazz do. I mean, excuse me, the Jazz. Sorry, the Nuggets do do a good job of cutting and things like that. So when teams double him in the post, and with Embiid improving as a passer, it's better. Now he's not going to average the eight. 0.7 assists that Jokic is at. He's not the passer Jokic is. It's not even, there's not even guards that are the passer Jokic is. So like, that's not a comparison, but I don't think, you know, for what you're giving up on offense, you're gaining a lot on defense. The point mm-hmm. about him missing games is, is the bigger issue. Yeah. And now two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream direct TV satellite free. You see this? A family watching baseball on direct TV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on direct TV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. Direct TV has the most MLB games. Call 1-800-DIRECT-TV. Claim based on total games carried on sports networks. Sports availability varies by zip code and requires choice package. Terms and restrictions apply. Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. Is it funny to you guys that we have just had people lamenting the death of the big man and, and small ball is here forever and unanimously here, our top two MVP guys are both tr- like th- they're real big. Oh, oh, it's unanimous. Jokic is in my, well, my, I'm my, saying here my, for us, we, we say it's Embiid or Jokic, right? Jokic is in my number two. Oh, okay. he isn't. No. Still Who's LeBron. your number two? <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's LeBron. LeBron. <laughs> what about that's, Kawhi? Does Kawhi fair. deserve some love here? Kawhi does. Kawhi's Kawhi is close. Yeah. But I just, you, you know what the problem is? And it, it's, it, it has nothing even to do with last season. I watched this Clipper team and I just don't trust them at the end of games. Mm-hmm. Right? Like part yeah. of being the MVP, part of the MVP is coming through when your team needs you most. Joel Embiid hits that monster three. We've seen LeBron do it. We've seen uh, uh, Jokic do it, you know, in in crunch time situations, in close games. We've seen it from Damian Lillard, from Steph Curry, all those guys. We just haven't seen it from Kawhi Leonard this year. And that's something that that bothers me about him in that MVP discussion and, and why he's kind of missing. Now, maybe that's just me wanting a little more sizzle with the steak, but like you, you like some flair, you, you need a little Hollywood story with your MVP. Yo, you gotta be the guy at the end yeah. of games. The MVP has gotta be the guy you looking at. It's going to win you the game at the buzzer. And I think that's, that's part of it for me. And I think that's, you know, fair or unfair. You, you mentioned it. We're all doing it based on our criteria. I think that's the one thing that, that bothers me about Kawhi Leonard. All right. Any love for Steph Curry or Damian Lillard? Um, you know, I, I think again, performances have been fantastic, but just the team success isn't there. And ultimately for me, the MVP award is, is determined by that team success. 
I have a hard time making an argument for those guys over the people we've mentioned. Just I, maybe it is just based on team success. I mean, Steph Curry is the MVP of League Pass, and he's like the, the you know he, he's the the guy you have to watch every night, and he's given I think the league the biggest jump in entertainment value based off last year. I mean, it was a gaping hole of him not being around last year that we're being reminded of night in and night out. But them just being you know hovering around five hundred despite Steph Curry doing these Herculean efforts and matching his MVP season numbers, I, yeah, I guess you do kind of hold it against him. It does feel, you, you feel sad for him and you feel maybe a little worried about the Warriors. But no, I, I mean, I can't consider him along the lines of like Embiid and LeBron and, and Jokic. It, it, those guys aren't on that class, but I have Dame over Steph. In that in that regards, because when you look at it this way, everything you just said, Keith, Steph's, I mean, Dame's doing the same thing without CJ McCollum, without Yusuf Nurkic, and they have a better record, right? And they're they're right in that that area, that that level there. And and he's doing all of the he's providing me the sizzle I need as well on top of those things. So, you know, for me, it's they're they're probably in the second tier, but I would probably move Dame has a better chance of jumping into that first tier to me than Steph does. And that's not a knock on Steph. It's just, that's how damn good Dame has been. I think we have have to mention Brooklyn a little bit because if Kevin Durant had not missed all this time here recently, I think Kevin Durant would, would definitely be in that conversation. You look at the numbers he was putting up uh, and, and, you know, not to get into the narrative, but he certainly has the narrative on his side. And and I think that, you know, that's going to play big with voters. Like we just know that it does. Um, But something that Seth actually mentioned on Twitter the other day that I thought was interesting. If James Harden keeps doing what he's doing in Brooklyn and they keep winning the way they are, even if Kevin Durant comes back, we probably should. And again, when I say mention, it doesn't mean that they're going to win the award, but I think it's going to be something worth talking about, like what he's done since he's gotten to Brooklyn. Looking back at the first half, no, you wouldn't consider James Harden in the MVP race prognosticating looking forward to the second half of the season. Like, Oh my goodness. Uh, James Harden in pure point guard mode. And I only take good three pointers or I I don't have to take the the hard three pointers anymore all the time at the end of the shot clock, just being able to be more efficient. No, I mean, if you're prognosticating a guy who's not in the top five of the MVP, who's going to be at the end of the season, you're absolutely right, Dave. Like, yeah, Harden is there. And with the nets just, absolutely clicking on offense and getting the results and hardened putting up those eye popping numbers in this system. It's going to, it's going to be, yeah, I, I think he's absolutely has a, has a good, I guess if you're taking a long shot bet, check out what Harden's at right now, because he could go on a run in the second half of the season. And if we all as the media get that narrative rolling, you can make some money. I, yes. I'm, I'm glad Dave, you mentioned uh Harden though. Cause like that is the Nets MVP. You know, he's been phenomenal, averaging 11 assists a game for them, I think. And, you know, we can throw away the stuff he did in Houston. That was bad. He he, he didn't care, the whole thing. And and that might ding him a little bit with with voters in that sense of, of pushing his way out. But he's been phenomenal. Like, there's no there's no question about it. I know Waz called me out on Bud's. Uh, recently and 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 I'll I'll eat a little bit like he's passing it away I never thought he would in the way he's doing it so I'm pretty impressed with him in that sense so you know you got to give him credit there and he's he's going to get some buzz but he's the Nets MVP like more so than than KD or Kyrie I loved your you know what he did in Houston was bad 
murdering a franchise. You know, yeah, that might be that, that mean, might be held I against mean, them. Yeah, I mean, that's part of it is the franchise's problem, right? Like yeah, we, yeah. we talked about it last <laughs> week. I mean, this is a franchise that went out of their way to cater for him, and maybe that should be a lesson for other franchises. Don't just go out of your way to cater for all the stars. You know, you you have to do it to a degree, but maybe not to the degree they went. And yeah. and you know, it comes back to bite them. I mean, that's. that's I'll, I'll take the, the other side of that coin, and I'll say I think James Harden performed admirably for them and uh and given his you know distaste for how things sort of unfolded during their little off season uh I, while I don't love showing up in a fat suit or whatever happened there um <laughs> I can't say I can't relate I've I've shown up to quit a job in uh swimming trunks because I was going to the beach right when I was done so uh respect to James Harden no, I'm not, I'm not taking a, a, a shot at him sure, in that sure. sense. Like, you know, like I thought he could have, I have no problem with him holding out and, and, and putting that demand out there, you know, and, and, and wanting to get out. I understand that. I just think I, part of me is more of a shot at the Rockets organization that went so far out of their way to, to cater to him. And then it turns around and it's like, Oh, well, he wants to leave. Now we're screwed. So that's, that's kind of what I was looking at. Uh, any any closing thoughts from you guys as we you know venture into the second half of the season and you know even thinking about the playoffs, uh, Mo, you want to you want to go first? I'm just excited, man. I just I think we're gonna have a lot of fun. I think we're gonna have some amazing MVP races. I think LeBron is gonna try to go for it. I think he's gonna go. We're gonna have some amazing moments throughout the season, man. I'm just excited, dude. Basketball is awesome, Keith. Yeah, I agree. Just, I mean, the return of Steph Curry, like I was talking about and seeing what this Nets team is doing is kind of them fulfilling the potential is so exciting. And I do think coming down, you know, the second half of the season, you're going to see guys who want that MVP. Like can a guy we haven't even mentioned today, like Doncic get something together to try to throw his hat in the ring. If the Mavericks get good, but I do think like LeBron wants it. And, uh, you know, maybe we'll see him really turn it on. The Lakers take over the second half and then, uh, we'll see how the narrative ends up getting told. Yeah. And this is all dependent on health to me. And I think as the league generally is going to get more healthy, as this season progresses and uh, progresses and has fewer guys missing games, we're going to see some of these people that have maybe, you know, n- not underperforming, but not performing as well as they could. The, the Jokic's of the world where his team isn't as good as it has or as it needs to be. Steph Curry, maybe, uh, you know, maybe Nurkic and, and CJ McCollum coming back and, and Portland gets to make a push and Dame then makes a push for MVP. Um, I, I do think that health is really going to change the landscape of the league and that we're going to look at these as two distinct halves of a season. They're going to feel totally different because this second half is shaping up to be some really, really good basketball because a lot of teams are going to be more well-rested than we thought they would be at this point, just given how the protocols have shaken out. You know, Utah stumbles a little bit going into the all-star break, goes three and four in their last seven. But they've been healthy all year. So none of those guys have gotten days off. I mean, Connolly aside, and they had a super condensed schedule. So I wonder if this all-star break doesn't recharge them a little bit. We might have some really, really compelling basketball coming out of the break in a time where normally it's just dead and you don't want to watch it. I think that the, the few weeks coming out of the break could be some of the best basketball we get this season. And 
you're speechless because it's yeah. going to be so. Not incredible. just waiting for you to end of the show. No, you're, that's you, right. I just, waiting, I just assumed you're waiting to end the show. I was, yeah. That was all I was doing. <laughs> that's going to do it for this week, folks. Uh, special thanks to Keith for jumping on, filling in for Seth, uh, for Mo, and for Seth, who's not even here. I'm Dave. This has been Nerdish. She wrote. Thanks for listening to the Athletic NBA Show. Give us a good rating. Leave us a good review, and we'll talk to you guys next week. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.